0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartland joining me. Steve, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, nothing much. I'm just enjoying your cool music that who chose? Did you pick that? No, this was actually um, Josh Mitchell, who
0: is uh, my go-to sound guy. Uh, hmm. When I have problems or questions that I need help with, I go to him to ask him those things. He actually laid that track out for us, specifically uh, designed it for Greg and I for this podcast. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, love that. Love that opening. So people um, – it's funny because we'll go periods of time where we'll put, insert other music Something into else. our intro for in whatever reason. In place of reason. or in addition? In place, in place, of. place of. Yeah. Right. So we yeah. wondered um, if you did that. We, uh, we talked about we're going to try to have um, uh, Stephen um, – I forget what his last name is, but he was, um, he was in a band. Um, we've had a couple bands on in here and have done some interviews, but typically when we have bands on, we try to put, you know, the clip of their music in so people can listen oh, to it or cool. hear it. Uh, Christmas time, you know, we have some Christmas music that we'll try to put in I do remember that. something I like part that. Of one so of yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, but, um, if we go for a long stretch where, you know, for whatever reason, just back to back to back, we've had different intro pieces on, um, you know, I, I'll get some emails being like, hey, where's, uh, Where's where's your theme music? We're missing that.
1: Hmm. So um, you know, there's a band called Creed. You could have had them play today, since we're going to be talking about creeds and confessions.
0: That's right. right. Actually, it's uh, it's funny you said that because I was I was thinking about opening up with a joke um, about um, you know Sylvester Stallone and you know Rocky and all that. Uh, You know Matt Smith. Shout out to you, Um, Matt. um, You know, as those of you remember, is uh, he's still a. uh, long-term uh, guest of These Go to 11. He's uh, Greg's good friend, pastor's right down the road from uh, from where we are. And uh, we'll be having him on throughout some times too. You know, still want to... Keep our lineup of pastors, you know, it'll, Mm -hmm. Greg will be more replacing your role in the podcast, Steve, where you're replacing his. I think that's probably, you know, people are like, oh, we're never going to hear Greg again. I think a better way to look at it is Greg's going to be taking Steve's role Hmm. as one of the pastors we're going to have on. And Steve is taking Greg's role as the, uh, the
1: official co-host. This means my salary doubles, right? That's right. Actually,
0: here's the deal, Steve. You are so requested on here. I'm going to give you 10 times more
1: what oh, I'm paying you now. I tell Debbie. She's going to be thrilled. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Baby, you know that vacation you've wanted? Well, we still can't take <laughs> it because right. they aren't paying me anything. <laughs> uh, still <laughs> got to wait. <laughs>
0: but we are, uh, you know, actually, before we get into talking about creeds, I want to shout out to Mission Aware. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, great. You know, Mission Aware um, is if uh, you if you're, you're going to classify them they are a reformed group who has set up and designed great stuff um, you know, that, that's a great American word, right? Stuff.
1: Stuff. I love um, the word stuff. it's actually in the King James version of the Bible. Too. Is it? It is somewhere in the old Testament. They use the word stuff. That's great. We're
0: going to have to find that sometime. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. The next time we announce mission aware, we're going to find that word stuff. And it is a <laughs> biblical term. Um, but mission aware has all kinds of great stuff. They have, uh, apparel. You can get all sorts of t-shirts, Sweatshirts long sleeve shirts last week, uh, Steve and I talked about the uh, the skull the the skeleton coming out with the light post Ram lux after darkness light, but they also have great uh reform guys, you know
1: this Spurgeon shirt right here. I'm showing it yes. to Nathan on my phone. That is a cool shirt. That
0: is excellent. You have the um the, the triangle kind of like the upside down triangle and then you have Spurgeon's head coming out of that.
1: Uh, that I is really that. neat. But here's the one. Here's that post Tanabras Lux. Yes. Oh man I love yes. that shirt. I got to get one of those.
0: Yes, that is um, that is an excellent shirt. Um, also, you know they have great drinkware. You know I talked about last week. My brother's coming up and letting him use one of the beer mugs. Yeti Yeti mugs. Yeti travel mugs are the in thing right now. They are uh, they keep your drinks colder longer. They also keep them hotter longer. So if you're putting some nice warm coffee in there, that'll last you. You know that'll last you all day. You know having nice warm hot coffee in there. Also, uh, you know, you put some ice in a cup, you put something, the, the ice actually stays cold. Greg was telling me he took uh, Lisa out on a trip. They were going somewhere. It was a warm day and, you know, the ice stayed in the cup all day long.
1: Wow. So they didn't
0: have to worry about it melting on them and, you know, getting the soda or whatever they had all flat. Um, so, Yeti mugs, they have those. Also, if you are into writing, journaling, they have great moleskin journals that you can pick up with great designs on it, all huh, sorts of cool. designs that you can pick like up. Like
1: reformed insignia yeah, on the front or something? Yeah,
0: reformed insignias that you can get. You can also get like Spurgeon's head or, on you know, moleskin. you can get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, different quotes from uh, from the Reformation or from some of these great men of, of the faith. You know, they've got, um, I think it's Calvin that talked about. Um, the heart being like an idle factory, um, you know, and you can, you can get that on, on one of those as well, but great products. Go, go to their website, missionaware.com and check them out. Uh, you won't regret it.
1: Boy, the Yeti Cup reminds me of a country song. You're not a country fan, are you? I'm just I'm guessing. <laughs> Debbie and I listen to country. Uh-huh. She loves it. She's from rural Virginia. They love the yeah. country. So I got to liking it because we listen to it in the truck when we're driving or in the okay. car. So there's this song, Money Can't Buy Everything But Money Can Buy Me a Boat. And then he talks about what money can buy him for his boat. And one of the things is this Yeti cooler packed with silver bullets. It's a Yeti and then there's some number. You know, Yeti 337 cooler, right. whatever it is. So Yeti. There you go. That's hey. why I knew what Yeti was when you just said cup.
0: Absolutely. Hey, perfect. That's awesome. Um, yeah, actually it's funny cuz Joy is a big fan of country and that's oh, that's okay. the music that we uh, we disagree on. So
1: <laughs> When we're trying Can you really be a Christian if yeah. you like country music? <laughs> that's right. Or are you not really saved?
0: That's right. Or are you really saved if you don't like country music? (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But no, it's, you know, um, again, check out Mission Aware, great products. Um, Steve, today we do want to talk about creeds and we have, uh, or confessions, you know. I want to just talk to you a little bit uh, before, we have three that we're going to actually look at. We're going to look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We're going to look at uh, the London Baptist Confession. And we're going to look at the Apostles' Creed. Um, But before we get into that... Give me a little background on creeds. You know the the kind of the history of it, um, importance of it. Want to talk a little bit about you know the positives and negatives of it. I think the positives and negatives we'll probably get into as we start looking at these individual um, creeds and we you know we see some of the things that they say. I was actually I was telling you offline. I was a little blown away to see a certain section that was in the Westminster um, Confession that. Scratching my head going, what is this about? And we'll, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Steve, give, give us a little bit of a background on those and, and even some of your background with it.
1: Uh, let me start with my background then. Um, so uh, I became a believer at age 17 and uh, at age 18, actually the very day I turned 18, I matriculated into Washington Bible College. Mm-hmm. started studying for the ministry. And uh, then I became aware that there were these confessions of faith, these creeds, these statements of doctrinal belief. Um, so the school had one, and you, you know, you're you supposed to subscribe to it. It was a good one. I'm saying it was good in that it was sufficiently general that mm-hmm. lots of believers who disagreed on little particulars out there could all agree on these core doctrines. Mm-hmm. So I liked that creed. But then you know, as we began uh, studying church history and other things, we found out there are other creeds. There are even – Possible creedal statements in the New Testament. Maybe Paul lifted them from outside outside of his own mind. Like um, God was manifested, uh, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. There's a few other statements in that that I just dropped. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are several portions of the New Testament that appear to be a creed. Then there were some great early creeds, like you mentioned the Apostles' Creed. You and I both really like that because Mm -hmm. it is general yes (laughs) it allows for lots of believers to sign on and be brothers and sisters in christ and love one another and treat each other with respect and not divide up over little things that just don't matter that much yes there are weightier matters of the law meaning there are less weighty matters of the law let's distinguish them but there were some early creeds they tended to be more general and then about the time of the reformation so we're going to go down to the 1600s the latter end of the reformation Mm -hmm. and the puritan era The the great, maybe. The great creeds were developed, like the Westminster Confession of Faith, its counterpart that came out a few years later, the London Baptist Confession, which is almost the Westminster Confession plus water. Yeah. Yeah. The Westminster Confession (laughs) baptized. Also a few changes on government. uh, That is national government and and other things. Um, But it's believed that the uh, Baptists – pretty much just adopted the Westminster Confession, uh, thereby they could avoid persecution. Well, we're just like those guys. Right, right. right? And you allow those guys, and you permit those guys, so look, we're just like them, except we add water. Right, right. uh, Or more water. We dunk you. That's right. (laughs) So... By the way, we have a, a baptism coming up next Sunday, and oh, it also turned out we have a it, it's Donut Sunday. We're having donuts, Ooh. so we're calling it Duncan Sunday. That is excellent. <laughs> yeah. so, they, so they had Duncan Sundays in the London Baptist Confession. That is
0: hysterical. Um, Steve, talk to us a little bit about the origins of creed. What it, you know? What does it
1: mean? Oh uh, yeah, the very word itself, creed, uh, comes from the Latin word credo, which simply means I believe. So a creed if you read out your creed you're saying here's what i believe mm-hmm. a creed is a statement of your beliefs for example uh what do you believe about marriage well there are a lot of different passages scattered throughout the bible that touch on marriage so you gotta like systematize them they all fit together and you come up with several statements of so here's what marriage is yeah you, that is your that is your creed So you do this with the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, substitutionary atonement, all kinds of things. We've come up with creedal statements. They are what I believe. By the way, there are people who say, no creed but the Bible. And that sounds great. And, you know, I I really like let's just stick to the Bible and let's not add man-made things. Right. But everybody has a creed. It's yes. just a question of will you write it down? Right. Like if I ask the guy who says no creed but the Bible, uh, what, what do you believe about the virgin birth? What do you believe about the deity of Christ? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh? He's going to say, yeah, I believe Jesus is God in the flesh. Well, there's your creed. Right. Because there's no one verse that says Jesus is God in the flesh. You right. didn't just quote me a verse. You're systematizing verses and developing a creed. Here's what you believe. Yes. Will you write it down? No. Why not? I'm worried you're a dishonest man. I'm worried that you're going to want to change it at your whim. Yeah. Uh, like if I'm a church member, I want my church to have a creed so I know it's not going to change tomorrow when the pastors suddenly change their mind and the creed's only in their head. Right. Right. Uh, so creeds can. Well, I'm getting into the benefits. They can be very beneficial. Sure. To uh, make solid what we really believe around here.
0: Well, and I think I, I'm, honestly, Steve, I think it's good that we get into the benefits now because um, my tendency is um, if we don't get into the benefits now, I'm going to get into tearing these things apart, <laughs> and then I'm not going to get back to the benefits. It'll all so. sound like
1: we're negative <laughs> about right. creeds. So.
0: That's right. So I think I, I think now a good time to get into the benefits. You know, I spent um, spent the better um, part of. Um, Last night, And by the better part, I mean like, you know, half hour before I went to bed, uh, looking at some of these creeds mm. and um, just reading them over. Uh, Got to be honest. Some of them gave me some concern, you know, uh, as as I'm reading through some of these things. I, I have a lot of concern with some of the things that they say. Um, but at the same time, you're right. It takes a lot of things in Scripture that are, I would say, the essentials. Mm-hmm. And it, it boils them down into something that you know. If if there's a new believer and they're reading through Scripture and they're like, you know, what? I'm yeah, what's what? Yeah, I, I'm con- I'm confused on the virgin birth. It's like, here, let me let, let me show you this. You know, this is a concise uh, view on what typically has been believed throughout evangelical church history on the virgin birth.
1: And often there's a statement of what is believed followed by a list of scripture passages. You can yes. go look them up on your own and figure out how did they arrive at that statement? Yes. It'll make sense to you.
0: Yes. And so to me, I think that creeds are a great training tool, training wheels. Is that a fair assessment? Training wheels really to good. the Bible. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, for, for new believers who are coming in and trying to understand what are, what are some of these essentials? Um, and so, Again, you know, without getting into the negatives right now, um, yeah, I would say, I would say that there are there are some benefits to this. That there are people coming in trying to understand what is what is my role as a believer. What is God's role as the Holy One? Um, you know, because because you know, I think sometimes we hesitate to say, well, God has a role, but but God. God does have a role, you know oh, yeah. God does have a role, absolutely um, and so what is what is his role? What is his function? What does God do? Um, what as a person is my role? what is my function? What do I do now those roles look completely different, um, and we find out very quickly that our role is you know inconsequential in comparison to god 's role. But we also find out that we are loved and we are marked by majesty. We are marked by the God of the universe, um, and that we are set aside, that we are, we are called, we are chosen, we are created, um, And so understanding all those things helps us to understand better who this God is that we serve, who this God is that we believe in, you know, you Mm -hmm. talked about that, I believe. Um, and so really just getting a good grasp and good understanding. And so, yeah, I would say these are, these are the training wheels that go along with scripture. Um, if this is where we stay, in our Christian growth and development, I think there are some problems. I think there are some issues, and we can, we'll can we talk about that um, in a little bit. But, um, Steve, you know, I said um, before we went online, you know, kind of went through the order. I'd actually, I'd like to start with the Apostles' Creed because you and I um, both tend to like that one a little better because of how general it is. Um, and I, I have that one right here. Um, and... So it starts off with, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and for those of you out there, um, just understanding that that word "Catholic" simply means Small universal. C. Yes, mm-hmm. um, so Holy Catholic or Holy Universal Church, the Communion of Saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's
1: a really fine little statement of faith right there.
0: I I absolutely just love that because to me, that embodies all of the essentials of christendom there's there's nothing in there about reformed theology there's nothing in there about arminian theology um because let's face it as reformed people we get smug and arrogant and i've heard people even say you know quoting quoting luther saying you know well if you don't believe in reformed theology then you can't possibly understand the grace and forgiveness of god and be saved oh my and i i can tell you that my grandmother who is um who is not a reformed person probably under knows and understands (laughs) God's graciousness and love and mercy in her life better than I do as a reformed person. Hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, let's get beyond these things that there have been debates over for centuries and get down to the essentials. And that's what I love about the apostles creed. It gets into the essentials,
1: and it's old, man. Yeah. And old things are just cool, right? <laughs> They're <laughs> they old. For that's example, right. <laughs> I'm reading here that the first mention of the expression Apostles' Creed occurs in a letter dated 390 A.D. from a synod in Milan in Italy. And uh, they, they actually believed in the fourth century that each of the 12 apostles contributed an article to oh, this wow. creed. So, uh, you know, that's that's hearsay. But right, right. it's old, man. It's for, at least from back in the 300s. Yeah. And and maybe even was written prior to that. So it, it's cool because it's old. But it's also cool because it's, uh, as we already said, it's sufficiently general. I wish the larger creeds like the Westminster Confession, mm-hmm. the London Baptist Confession, had two sections. Mm. I wish they had section one, core doctrines. Yes. Section two, other doctrines. Yes. And they would have a, a phrase maybe, you know, believers will disagree on some of these. That's yes. fine. We're all yes. going to get along. We're all going to stick together and love each other. We're one body in Christ. I wish we had that. The Apostles' Creed is section one.
0: Yes, I, I agree with that. You know, And it's funny, too, because even with the Apostles' Creed, a little bit of disagreement on uh, some of the core doctrine. I was telling you about that, that um, my wife was telling me about a church her best friend growing up uh, had gone to. That a cousin of hers um, pastored, or the cousin cousin's husband pastored, something like that, and they would say the Apostles' Creed. Hmm. However, they would leave out the section uh, that said he descended, descended into uh, hell, or here, in this section it says, says descended to the dead. But other
1: versions are he yeah. descended into hell.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and they left that out and. Um, you know, I remember talking with her about this, and she was like, "I just don't know what to think about that." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, what do you mean? Well, because you know, it's the Apostles' Creed. Like, can you change that? Well, is it Scripture? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's like, well, no. It's like, okay. Well, so they disagree on this kind of obscure passage that we find in Scripture, where it talks about Christ descending and preaching." To uh, does it say fallen angels or I, I forget what oh, the you're specific... in second
1: Peter where he preached yeah. to the angels
0: yeah um, and so I, I believe that isn't that where that reference comes from.
1: I don't even know where it comes from. He descended into Hades or the place right. of the dead. Yeah. See, Hades could be understood to be hell, hell right. or it could be understood to be the place of the, of the dead. dead. Yeah. So this version that we were both looking at has it as the place of the dead. That's legit. Right. You can get that from that word. Yeah. Uh, others had it descended into hell. I'm not so sure that he descended into hell. I rather think not. Right. Like he did descend into the place of the dead three to three days or three nights. Right. Um, but. Did he ever go to hell? What for? Some say, well, it was to proclaim victory over right over the devil and victory. Yeah, but I don't know where the New Testament says that. Right,
0: and to me, like that section, uh, I mean, to me, this the way this is read here is clearer. And, yes, and that's a clearer understanding of that fine. of that passage. But mm-hmm. you know, the, where he, where it says he descended into hell, um, yeah, that that's not so clear on on what I would consider a minor point that people have debated for centuries Mm -hmm. you know was christ actually literally in hell proclaiming his victory you know proclaiming the good news you know those things um or is it as you said steve just no he he died he he descended into death um and so you know to me that's a section that is um you know, if if you're saying, Oh, he descended into hell, okay, well, there's some debate on that. There's some argument on that. We can we can talk about that. Um, you know, but this, you know, he descended into death, yeah, okay, that's scripturally sound and solid. So, you know, there's no argument there, um, as far as I can tell. Um and, and you know, I again, as we said, I really like this because it is just so this is essential. You know, to me this is something where you can hand someone this creed, and somebody's just, you know, what what were the basics of the faith? It's like, Mm -hmm. boom, here you go.
1: Looking at an article here on the Apostles' Creed Mm -hmm. and specifically on that phrase, he descended into hell. Mm -hmm. Um, This says, when the Apostles' Creed took its English form in the 16th century, hell meant Hades, not the final state of the lost, which Jesus called Gehenna, Ah. but Hades as the place of the dead. Okay, so so
0: the translation was when it transferred into English. Yeah,
1: that, there we got the problem.
0: Gotcha. Okay, fascinating. But you know, I just again as as last night I was looking through you know these creeds, these confessions. The Apostles' Creed just once again jumped out at me as something that was um, it, it, it's. It's there. It's clear. It's plain. These are the things that we fight for in Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that you know we stand on. We don't compromise on. You know, Reformed theology. If I'm talking with someone and somebody puts a gun to my head and asks me about Reformed theology, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to die for that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I think there are some reformed people that would that would, you know, consider me not a believer because of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if somebody puts a gun to my head, tells me I need to believe something else other than reformed, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the the idea of reformed theology. okay, I can give that up tomorrow, you know, but when somebody says, you know, puts a gun to my head and asks, you know, do I believe Jesus Christ was the only son of God? There's no compromise yeah, on that. Go ahead and pull the
1: trigger, man. Yeah. Let's get it over with.
0: Exactly. You know, there's just these are the things that, yeah, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to die on because these are this is the essence of what I believe and there is no compromising on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um any any other kind of thoughts or um
1: Well again, um I like the the size of this creed, Mm. as opposed to the size of the Westminster Confession, size of or the size of the London Baptist, because creeds tend to become uh, the basis for fellowship. Like, do I trust you? Can I fellowship with you? Would I ever invite you to speak in my pulpit? Let me look at your creed. Yeah, Uh, they become the basis for fellowship. When a creed is so big, and all of those points are the basis for fellowship, you really limit the body of christ yes like you kind of unchurch a yeah. lot of people for example i was a reformed baptist guy uh, in a reformed baptist movement that tended to be the northeastern u.s but there were churches in our movement in other places as well mm-hmm. and uh we had the london baptist confession uh largely you did not fraternize you did not fellowship with you did not visit a church other than a a, a london baptist confession church wow everything else was suspect uh, so for example there's a church down in Roanoke, Reformed Baptist Church, and I was good friends with the pastor. His name was Randy. Yep. And he, we were laughing. He told me he had a guy in his church, got a great job offer in Chicago. Yeah. That's a big city, right? Yeah. In Chicago. But the guy said, I'm not taking the job. Why not? He said, there's no church in Chicago. Now, Chicago's a big place. Right. I bet there's a couple of believers around there. Isn't
0: that where uh, Billy Sunday yeah, was right. from? And- I bet
1: there's one or two churches up <laughs> yeah. there anyway. But in his mind, if there's no confessional church... There is no church. There's no church. Wow. So you unchurch everybody else because yeah. the confession is way too big. There's what, If we go back down to the if we had a an essential section of the confession, now you all of a sudden you find out there's a lot of churches That's in right. Chicago. And they all agree with us on that on that section. Yeah. We can disagree on these lesser things. Sure. Sure. So uh, yeah they become the basis for fellowship. The Apostles' Creed is a fine basis for fellowship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I, I agree. I think to me that is that is the standard when you're looking at you know when you 're looking at a church and you look at the essentials it 's like okay do they do they agree on these things can we can we fellowship on these things and as you yeah if if we can agree that you know these things are true then then I think that that is that 's the starting point mm-hmm. now are there other finer points that we want to look at yeah i mean i think I think there are other finer points that we want to look at. Understanding that in today's culture, um, there are a lot of more liberal, biblically liberal churches that are, that would hold to some of the liturgy of the past. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you might walk into a church that holds to the apostles creed, but they would also have, um, you know, a, uh, gay or lesbian minister up front teaching,
1: you know, and they'll read the apostles creed.
0: Exactly. You know, so Okay, yeah, we we need to get into some of the finer points, which is again where I would say the the Apostles' Creed um, lacks. It has it has that great what you were talking about, Steve. The the essentials, the you know the major points, but then you go into maybe the lesser. Or the non-essentials. Or newer issues. Newer issues, yes.
1: Like, that was not an issue in that day. Yes. Now it's an issue. Now it's an issue, yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So understand, you know, and so it's missing that nuanced aspect of marriage in there, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, It's missing that nuanced aspect that we face today of uh, sexuality Mm -hmm. and, you know, sexual identity. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if we're going to be honest, the, the Westminster Confession and even the London Baptist is missing the is of, you know, the sexual identity issue yes. that we are facing.
1: This is a great argument for the ongoing development of creeds. Yeah. Uh, creedal people, you know, confessional people. Right. And what they mean by that is one of those two great confessions. If you're not one of those, you're not confessional. Right. Oh, yeah, we have a 10-point confession. Doesn't count. It's not, you're not confessional. But the, So the creedal people who have these big confessions – Tend to make it like it's like the Bible you can't right. ever change this now, this is for all time, all places, right, but no really, there are several issues that it needs to be updated on like there needs to be a better charismatic statement, where do yeah. you stand on the spiritual gifts, and are you a cessationist or sure. a continuationist um and needs to be a better statement on marriage, yeah, homosexuality,
0: yeah, and yeah i definitely um i agree with that 100% i'm looking um looking now at you know the west westminster uh confession here uh 33 chapters this is
1: this yeah, is a, literally a book hey um, can we pause for a second yeah absolutely so- it was uh, I forget how many now it was a bunch of divines, a bunch of ministers mm-hmm. gathered over the course of some years to develop the Westminster confession okay great people, great guys, and they did it in this certain room in uh, in Westminster Abbey. So Debbie and I were there and we asked, "Can we see that room? I believe it's called the Jerusalem Chamber." Oh wow. And we were told, "No, it's 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 off limits to guests. You can't go there." And I said, "Well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a reformed Baptist pastor. We really esteem that confession, our right. confession is derived from it. Any chance I could get in there?" So somebody talked to somebody and the uh, a guy who they call, it's like our deacon, but they call him the Beetle. Okay. The Beatle came out and and interviewed me a little bit. And was it oh. uh, Ringo? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then he said, all right, I'll take you. So Debbie and I got taken into this off-limits room, the Jerusalem wow. Chamber, where they actually gathered over the course of years and wrote this this thing. It was it was a pretty, like, I heard angels, you know. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, for some people, you moment. were like in the Holy of Holies <laughs> oh, there. yeah, man, uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, sir. It was pretty wild.
0: That's a really, that's a great story. That's awesome.
1: But I like that it was a very Catholic doctrine. They had a lot of people, Catholic small C, universal church, Church, a lot of different guys and from somewhat different backgrounds come in and together write, write this great confession.
0: Yeah. And to me, I think, I think that's the great strength of some of um, what we see, you know, whether it's Bible translations uh, whether it's confessions, whether, you know, whatever it might be is when groups of people who come from different backgrounds, uh, biblical backgrounds can come together and work on something and say, you know, we, we disagree on these different doctrinal points. However, we see the importance of scripture. And so we're going to come together and we're going to agree on this. Mm -hmm. I went to, um, I went to Houghton college in upper state, New York. And, um, several of the professors from Houghton College um, were instrumental in helping to develop the NIV version of the Bible. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the professors, not involved with it, but who knew one of the professors who was involved with it, said was that, you know, you didn't just have – Wesleyans working on it, but you had Presbyterians, you had Episcopalians, you had all these people coming together from these different backgrounds, you know, looking at this uh, version of the Bible saying, you know, how can we most accurately represent the meaning behind what is being said in scripture, because and in
1: modern language,
0: yeah, because you know the the NIV is a it's a combination of being a translation and a dynamic equivalent, which means you know that they they look at parts of scripture where things don't necessarily line up in our c- cultural context, and they interpret those for us. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if you were to um, look at China and the way they view certain animals. Well, when Christ calls Herod a fox, that's not going to translate the same mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. in China because foxes are not considered sly and cunning and mm. devious like like we would understand them here in America. And so to, to grab the cultural context of what's being said, um, he might be called like a serpent or something mm-hmm. like
1: that. Some other you know? animal. Right. Whatever they think is cunning and crafty. Right. Makes sense.
0: Um, so – You know, and so it's it's great when people can come together and they can look at these things and see, um, you know, the the importance and essence of Scripture, having the differences and still say, you know, we want to be able to work together on this.
1: By the way, at our church, we're an interesting hybrid right now. We have two confessions of faith. Okay, Uh, one is a, a rather brief and general one that we. Uh, borrowed from the Gospel Coalition. Mm -hmm. So we have the Gospel Coalition Statement of Faith. That's the one you'll see on our webpage if you go to find out what do we believe. It's like 12 points summarized and so on. Uh, But we're also still, we subscribe to, as a church, we subscribe to the London Baptist Confession of 1689. Okay. That is still in our church constitution, which really needs an update. Yeah. We still have that one. But we have come to accept, not accept, not accept but right. accept we we hold to it except for right. this portion this portion this portion yeah. we have a couple parts that we just don't agree with anymore. Yeah. So we need to note that somehow.
0: And to me any any healthy church any healthy believer you know if if Paul calls Bereans to be examiners of the word and to you know this is this is God's holy word you know to to examine the word and what it says and to compare it against What Paul, Who Paul is, you know, Paul knew that he was sent from God, from the Holy Spirit, but he's still telling these people, look at what I'm saying. Make sure it's the truth. Isn't it more important or that much more important for us as believers to look at these man-made documents? Yes, they back up and support Scripture. However, it's always going to be from someone's point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to have John MacArthur writing a creed, or a confession, his view on alcohol and drinking
1: <laughs> is Wouldn't very opposed. Right, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's going to be some strong warning in there on something like that, mm. um, and it's not going to be necessarily favorable or it 's going to have something like this where well the Bible neither condemns it uh, the bible doesn 't condemn it however i 'm going to give you five pages on why you shouldn 't do it
1: anyway yeah like,
0: you know and so those are the things that we always have to be careful and countermeasure is that these these liberties that we have uh, can get can get sucked in and these things um, you know actually going to the the Westminster Confession, I was reading the section um, on marriage and divorce. So this is chapter 24, uh, section on marriage and divorce. And there's a lot of things that I can get behind with this section. You know, the first part marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Neither is it lawful for any man to have more than one wife, nor for any woman to have more than one husband at the same time. Uh, yeah, I can, I can okay, get behind that, fine. you know? Um, and, and you go on reading and there's some, you know, there's some things in here. It's like, okay, yep, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. But then there's a section that I was looking at, um, and I think it might be this last section here. Yeah, this last section. Although the corruption of man be such as it is apt to study uh, arguments, unduly to put asunder those whom God has joined together in marriage, yet nothing but adultery or such willful desertion as can no way be remedied by the church or civil magistrate is cause sufficient of dissolving the bond of marriage. Mm. What about abuse?
1: They missed something there. <laughs> they missed several things there. Yeah. What about first Corinthians seven? If you're married to a non-Christian and they decide they don't want to be married to you any longer, right. you're not bound. Yeah. They can go.
0: Yeah. They're, they are free to go and your, your conscience is free mm-hmm. because you were not bound to them. Um, spiritually. Yes. Um, you know, uh, abuse you know that's one that is uh, such an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I'd argue that it's not just an issue in today's society. <laughs> that that's oh, yeah. been it's an issue been all throughout history. Oh, yeah. um, you know, but but there's no mention of you know abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so, so what we're do we getting do there. That? John
1: MacArthur view not of not of alcohol, but right. of marriage.
0: Yeah. And so there, there's something that we have to look at and say, okay, yeah, I, I, can, I can agree with this. I can agree with this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure about this part here. But here's
1: one of the dangers of creeds then. Here's one of the problems of creeds is when you get these larger creeds like the Westminster Confession, mm-hmm. pretty much if you're a, a Presbyterian Church in America guy, PCA guy, yep. whatever you are, um, the, the creed is inviolable. You cannot change it. Yeah. If you question any part of the creed, you are questionable. Right. Uh we doubt your salvation, we doubt your faith. You're a heretic. There's something wrong with you. And there are some guys who from time to time will question a part of the creed. And man, they are vilified. They are just uh demonized because they would dare question the creed. So the creed is elevated to the status of scripture you know, it's like it's from God himself and you can't change it. Right. Ever. Uh, we need to be able to change creeds. Yeah. They need to be able to rewrite that section, update it to really fit all of scripture.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I agree 100%. Another section, and this is the section that we were talking about earlier, Steve, this is from chapter 30. Uh, so this first section, uh, the Lord Jesus. So this is talking about, uh, of church censures. So it says, the Lord Jesus as King and head of his church has therein appointed a government and the head of church officers, distinct from the civil magistrate. Okay. You know, Fair again, enough.
1: Good I that.
0: I can, I can go along with that. The second section is where I was scratching my head last night going, what are they saying here? To these officers, the keys of the kingdom of heaven are committed. By virtue whereof they have power, respectively, to retain and remit sins, to shut that kingdom against the impenitent, both by the word and censures and to open it unto penitent sinners by the ministry of the gospel and by absolution from censures as occasion shall require. Now the general context of this from what I'm gathering is speaking generally about, uh, uh, excommunication more or less, Mm -hmm. but this section on, These officers, uh, to these officers, the keys of the kingdom of heaven are committed.
1: Yeah, they're working out in Matthew 18 where Jesus mm-hmm. says, You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And, and he gives Peter the keys of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he also says, you know, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. That's mm-hmm. the proper verb tense. And whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, an overreach or an overstatement of what Christ does say there. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that he gave Peter the keys of the kingdom? Uh, does that mean Peter can now say, nope, you're not saved. Yes, you are saved. Right. Now, only the Lord knows the hearts. huh? Right. Um, but it, it does mean that uh, we we believe Peter wasn't the only recipient of such keys. The church, right. it's Peter as he represented the church. So the church holds keys. And the church can say, um, we're not going to serve you communion because you know, whatever. Churches have done that. Right. We don't please communion, but some, right. some places have. Uh, or the church can say, We're not going to let you become a member here because, you know, what you believe and how you're living, and we don't know if you're really a believer or not. Right. So the church can make decisions like that. I think that's what they're saying.
0: Yeah. I just, you know, I was scratching my head when it was, you know, by virtue whereof they have power, respectively, to retain and remit sins. Hmm. You know, that sounds very uh, Catholic church, big city. It does. Yeah. You know, where, um, you know, but but these are confessions that, you know good old reform boys hold to mm-hmm. and you scratch your head wondering okay you you're you're holding to this as tight as you hold to scripture and you're you know you're going to denounce the catholic again big c church in one breath and hold to something like this in another hmm. um and that's where i scratch my head and i'm like isn't it time we reword, the, at the very least reword this? So it's clear it a little better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because the
1: average reformed church in the United States that holds that confession, you do not have the pastor stand up on a Sunday and say, right. you, sir, I'm retaining your sins, right? You, sir, uh, I'm losing your sins. It just doesn't happen.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen and nor is that biblical, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I've said this before, you know, I am all for the concept of the confessional. You know, the idea where people feel free to come in and and unload themselves. Uh, I'm not in favor of the idea that the the pastor, the priest has the authority to forgive them of those sins. Um, and, you know, I'm not in favor of anything that, that seems to imply that any individual person is able to do that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, and that alone is, is in God's hand and God's authority. And if you're looking at, again, you know, talking about the officers of the church, having the keys of, you know, heaven or whatever, you know, like you said, this is, this is the church. It's not specifically pastors. We are all called to go out and preach the gospel. Uh, we are all called to go out and, you know, evangelize to people. And so, To me, you know, the more specific job of the pastor is that encouragement, edification to the believers, that training aspect, going deeper into the Word and explaining things that the Word says. Here's how we understand this in light of our context, in light of our society. And again, using good hermeneutics to do that. Um, You know, uh, talking about the idea, you know, we were talking about, you know, creeds and confessions, updating their... You know, um, to include um, you know sexual identity and things like that. You know, understanding good hermeneutics in scripture to interpret that for congregation of how we should understand that in the culture and context we are living in today. We're back in Christ's time. You know, the surgery hadn't even been invented yet to you know alter a person's um, mm-hmm. you know physical sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that stuff exists today. So how how do we understand those things in light of the gospel in light of what Christ has done, you know? Um, So, you know, all of those questions coming up, you know, those are things that, that, you know, the pastor does. But in terms of, you know, salvation, in terms of, you know, those are things that I just, I scratched my head and I was reading through that last night. Going, what in the world am I reading here?
1: Yeah. Again, I think I think here's how they practically operate on the basis of that. Right. If you want to become a member, or let's say you want to become baptized in one of these confessional churches, whether it's paid Baptist or and Presbyterian, or whether it's Baptist, Reformed Baptist Church, mm-hmm. um, typically you go through a, 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 right. a very um, strenuous process. You, for example, you were first we would ask them to read our entire church constitution, right? You need a lawyer and several assistants to make your way through that, but we'd ask them to read the whole thing. Then we would ask them to read the entire confession of faith, you know, and they'd come back months later. They finally worked their way through all that. They're just trying to become a member. It's easier to be saved than becoming a member. It literally is. What do you have to do to be saved? In one moment, you can say, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. You're saved. Uh, but to become a member in the church, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. And then you'd get interviewed, and, and you'd get interviewed about, you know, did you have any problems with any section in the confession? Tell us what it was. Let's talk right. about it, blah, blah, blah. Did you have any problems in our constitution, our government? Right. Tell us about it, blah, blah, blah. And you'd go through all that. Maybe they'd have to go home and study some more on a section, then they're going to come back and be re-interviewed. Right. and. Uh, this is how those guys understand the application of that portion you just read. We we are opening the keys of church membership here by interviewing them and saying, yes, it seems to us you are a believer. We're going to let you in. Right. I, I think church membership ought to be as easy as membership in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Like my question is, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ right. and are you saved? Yeah. Yes. Okay, we're going to baptize you. Right. You can be a member. Right. Yeah. 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 We'll teach you the rest later.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the way, um, I know the way that, you know, we've talked about, like with CFC doing things, you know, is that in terms of attending the church, you know, they're walk in and out. You know, you can attend, you cannot attend, you know, you walk in and out, you know, membership. There's a little more that's involved, you mm-hmm. know. Understanding: Are you a believer? You know, what does that mean? Um, have you been baptized? If not, let's you know, let's make sure that you, you're baptized. Um, you know, so a little bit more that goes on. But then, in terms of membership, uh, it's that's it. You know, you don't go beyond, beyond that. You know, you don't have to agree with the Reformed theology. You don't have right. to agree with this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, then you start getting into other positions in the church. You know, somebody who's who's an elder. Okay, well now we need to make sure that things are syncing up a little more. Yeah. The bar is higher now. Right. And Mm -hmm. then of course, to be a teacher, you Mm -hmm. know, things need to be a little bit tighter. And so, you know, understanding that, you know, church membership is simply to, you know, ascertain, does someone truly understand who a believer is, what it means to be a believer and then being baptized so that we can, you know, on some level, uh, cooperate and and move together as the body of Christ in one direction mm-hmm. you know um, yeah I'm, I'm with you I think you know the idea of you know uh, all of these you know crossing the I's and you know or dotting the I's crossing the T's is just it, it's nonsense
1: yeah when I read the New Testament Book of Acts in particular, they lead people to Christ. They yeah. baptize them, yeah, like immediately. Yeah, like there weren't three months. Let's let's make sure you're really a Christian. We want to watch you for three months first. Right. Go ahead and read our confession. Let's make sure you're you're really orthodox in right. your doctrine. Uh, no, th- right. I, I just believed. Okay, we're going to baptize you, right? And then uh, and then it says, and the Lord added to the church, right. Daily, those who are being right. saved—that's probably the universal church, but it's right. the local church. It's right. the Jerusalem church. Right? The Lord's adding people to it. Right. So there wasn't, there didn't appear to be some grueling, rigorous, yeah. lengthy process. You just, you believe and you're in. Yeah. It's like now a, we work with you.
0: Right. What are, What area are you from? Oh, such and such. Oh, Barnabas has a church that meets there. Uh, you know, going over yeah. there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, we just don't we love complicating things. Yeah, we don't. Really do. <laughs> um. You know, and and I'm looking at these, and again, you know, I picked out two specifically um, to kind of talk about, and just you know, bring up and say, you know, there's just there there are some problems. At the very least, there are some concerns and some wording that needs to be changed and updated, um, so that there's clarification in what's being said here. But
1: Um, you can't do that, or you're viewed as a heretic, right?
0: Yeah, isn't it? Oh man, and and it's funny because don't we do that with scripture? I yes. mean, if somebody is, like, somebody I have this right? Yeah. if study what confused, he says about it. what he, uh-huh. yeah. Somebody's confused on a particular point of scripture. You know, we, we reword it so that they understand it. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's what every pastor does on every single Sunday that church is that's our job. Yeah. Is to take a passage of scripture and then, and then present it to the congregation so they understand the context and you know which it's being said. They understand uh, not e- not just within the scope of the passage that's being read, but also the historical context and what's being said. Not again, not to say that it doesn't apply to today, but understanding when something is said, you know, these people are going to understand it within this context. When the Bible speaks in all masculine pronouns, mm-hmm. you know, that's because in this time, in this culture, that's how they spell it. Um, you know, and uh, and you know, understanding that helps people, and and I would say even helps women specifically today who are str- we're struggling with all this political correctness to understand. Look, th- this is what went on back then. Hmm. You know, and then even you know, and, and Steve, I'll let you comment on this. You know, I know a lot of people have given flack to. um the uh, versions of the Bible that have come out in the past to try to change pronouns um, that were universal to make them more universally friendly. And to me, I, I don't necessarily have an issue with that.
1: What about yeah, you? Yeah, I don't either, especially since, uh, you know, th- there's a Greek word for masculine, male, man, mm-hmm. it's aner. There's another Greek word for human, it's anthropos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the translators translate both man. Mm-hmm. So they see anthropos and they say if a man, if a, right. and they take an heir and they say man. That's really not legit. Right. Uh, and it would be better for women in our day to know that that word's actually anthropos, and it just means human being. Right. So it's you. It's a man or a woman. It's a male right. or a female. It's a human.
0: Yeah. And to me, like those are the things that even in Bible translation, we we should be careful to know. And we should we should be, you know, changing. Uh, you know mm-hmm. where Old King James, you know every single you know every single pronoun was masculine. No, no, no. This, this verse is referring to humanity. You know, salvation belongs to humanity, not to men,
1: not to males.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know if we can if we can do that with scripture, surely we can do it with uh, <laughs> with these confessions. Yep. Did you have any other? Um, Thoughts on you know the Westminster um, Confession specifically?
1: Not not about any section in it, but mm-hmm. um, we've kind of hinted at this. I'd like to make it a point that uh, one of the problems with creeds is they tend to become instruments of division, mm. not of unity. And it's almost like the purpose of the creed is so I can keep you out of my club. Right. I can divide from anybody else. I don't have to pay any attention to any part of the body of Christ that doesn't hold to my creed because they're all suspect and they're probably apostate and I'm very cynical about them, yeah. um, they become objects of division. We need objects of unification. It is the body of Christ, and Jesus prayed that we'd be one. Yeah, It means a lot to Jesus. It ought to mean a lot to us. So, again, that's why I'd like the – this is the essential portion. Yes. yes. This is the non-essential portion.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, too, it's important to note that even in, in what we would consider the non-essential portion – there would be essentials in there, you know, like there's, you have the Apostles Creed. It's very general, very, um, you know, very open, uh, not very exclusive in terms of things that are being said doctrinally, but, but then you have what we would say the non-essential section is, but even within the non-essential, you know, again, talking about marriage, talking about sexual identity, talking about God's intent in those things. Those are the things that you go to and you say, okay, Here's here's what I find important. Maybe you and I should sit down and write a creed, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary because <laughs> that's
1: quite an endeavor. You know, I, I'd oh, be yeah. trembling, man. Oh yeah. We are going to presume to summarize what are the important truths of the Bible, right? And write them out in our own words.
0: Yeah. And I and I think you know that's something also to keep in mind when um, you know when when looking at this is that you know again these are people who took the truths of Scripture. And attempted to say, these are the things that we feel are important. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but you're going to have a hard time convincing me that this was God's inspired mm. truth. Mm-hmm. I, there is only one book that is God's inspired truth, and that is the Bible. Yep. There are things that I can get behind and I can agree with, but there's a whole lot that I need to look at and I need to remember. These are a bunch of dudes Who sat down and said, these are what we think we need to pull out and we need to emphasize.
1: But again, you can't challenge the confession with your Bible. Right. The confession is inviolable. It it just stands like it's God's word. And you come up with the Bible and say, but what about this pastor? And you're viewed as a heretic. Right. Whereas actually the first chapter in each confession, London Baptist or Westminster confession says scripture will be the sole authority, not church councils, not opinions of men, blah, blah, and so on. But then they don't operate that way because later the confession becomes equal to scripture. I deeply object to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think that is, again, that is the biggest objection that I have to these confessions is that they are held on to as scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, and we, um, it's funny because uh, I, again, I don't want to rehash it, but you know looking at um looking at uh, worship, how people are to uh, worship the uh, the regulative principle, uh we did a whole uh, podcast on that again, don't want to rehash it, but you know that that God is the one who prescribes worship, and even in that general statement. There is a whole lot of stuff that mm-hmm. is left out mm. that people people are now saying, Well, what about this? What about this? You know, again, the changing of the Sabbath, you know, where, you know, you have these confessions and they highlight things that they feel are important, but I think they missed something on that, where Christ said, Was man made for Sabbath or was Sabbath made for man? Those would
1: be the two paragraphs that I – or two chapters that I take exception to in the London Baptist Confession. The one on the Sabbath I think has a lot of things that just aren't scriptural that go beyond scripture. And then um, the one on the regulated principle, as you already know, we did a podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd say pretty good statement of faith.
0: Right, and I think think it's important too with those two sections to also note that people who are – again, if you're going to – if you're going to bring all of these things out, particularly with the Sabbath and things that can and can't be done on the Sabbath, you know, you need to remember what Christ did to the Pharisees when they started talking about what to do and what you can and can't do and, and all of those things. I mean, Christ just demolished them, hmm. you know, and, and at the very least you're hypocritical because, um, you know, again, you've got to go to almost this Amish or Jewish lifestyle where you can't do any work, <laughs> So that means literally you can't leave your house. Well no, you can leave your house because you can go and worship. But how are you going to do that because you're working? Either you're walking, you know, because you don't want to do any work, but then you're working. Your body's working, your muscles are working. You're moving, you know, or you're driving a car, which again, you're working.
1: Then people <laughs> start know? defining work. Work is exactly. this, and work isn't that. You it know? just all gets ridiculous.
0: And that's where that's where to me the the confession would be better served To almost, you know, talk about the Sabbath and to remind people that Christ has given us the freedom Mm -hmm. in order to worship him, um, you know, on that day, you know. And really, you know, I love what Christ said is that, you know, in Christ, every day is the Sabbath. Yes. So
1: here's where the Sabbath statement, I'm looking right now at the London Baptist Confession Statement on the Sabbath. Yep. And, uh. Paragraph 8 talks about how you keep the Sabbath holy. Now, I object in the first place to the idea that Sunday is a Christian Sabbath. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. But then here's how they say the Sabbath is kept holy unto the Lord. When men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs beforehand, so that means like make dinner the night before, have it ready in the fridge, Take time and prepare your heart. What if you? What if you're changing diapers instead and rushed to church and got there late? Anyway, they do not only observe and holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreation. You can't have thoughts about yeah. downhill skiing yeah. on the Sabbath, or you're breaking the Sabbath. You can't have thoughts about football, or you're breaking the Sabbath. Yeah. This is a burden that neither we nor our fathers could bear, to use the words of James. Yeah. You know, this just and they're bringing it right into the New Testament. Yeah, your, all of your thoughts on that day need to be about Jesus, His kingdom, His words. This is impossible. Yeah, and what a burden.
0: You know, I um I have uh, a good friend who really loves the story of Eric Little um, from uh, mm-hmm. if you've seen the movie "Chariots oh, yeah. of Fire," uh-huh. yeah, and um, you know just absolutely loves it, and I. I love the conviction of the man. I don't like the way people have tried to use Hmm. his conviction to be universal. Mm -hmm. You know, he was convicted. The Sabbath was God's day. I'm not going to run. That was a, that was a conviction. That was his conscience. That was
1: his Scottish Presbyterian view.
0: I applaud that in him. Yeah. But you know what? If, uh, if I've got friends who want to go out and toss around the football,
1: have fun. Exactly. Or
0: you know what? If, if, I'm employed to go out and, and work on Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But you know what, I, what I've what i heard big Reformed Baptist leaders, I mean big-time people, mm-hmm. do with this? For example, again, it says you have to refrain all day from your own works, words, and thoughts about your worldly employment and recreations. So the question comes up, can I take a bike ride with my kid on Sunday? Mm-hmm. And here's how they reason, here's how they answer. It's just clever, man. It's like, well, if it will help them to be awake and to be able to sit through evening worship, then yes. So now I can do a worldly recreation. I can ride a bike because it's going to help my kids stay awake in the evening service. Oh, come on. This is ridiculous. Does this sound like
0: Pharisees or what? Oh, I know. I know it's, it's, it's twisting what you want in order to justify your actions. But then, but then you have a greater issue at stake here because then that means that there are such things as a believer worldly works, hmm. worldly activities. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't believe that. It's all that holy has, unto the Lord. That's right. Yeah. Whatever you do. If you're a plumber
1: yep. and you do it unto Jesus, that's right. it's holy, man.
0: That's right. You know, is it um there are there are two verses that I always cling to, Colossians and um, in I think it's first or second Corinthians, you know, the first one is um, uh whatever you do in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, it does not specify in worship. It does not specify in praise to God. Whatever you do, Hmm. do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you ignore scripture when you start dividing out those things. Hmm. And then whatever whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatsoever you do, do it all to to the glory of God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Including my worldly recreations.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Uh, I had a guy ask me, so am I allowed to kiss my wife on Sunday? Because it's something, it's a real pleasure of mine. It's something I really like to do. Uh, And he was even implying, like, maybe more than kiss, just kiss you. Is that allowed on the Sabbath? And I went, uh. You know, it just gets ridiculous,
0: right? Well, and again, if you if you start drawing a line like that, then again, aren't you saying, well, no those those activities, those pleasures, are not holy unto God, and isn't God the one who gave us those activities to do in marriage?
1: I like kissing my wife on Sunday. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. That's right. But other stuff. (laughs) You read their wording. You have to refrain from your own works, words, and thoughts. About your worldly recreations. Well, a worldly recreation I have is kissing my wife. I can't even think about it on Sunday. I know. If I think about it, I have to. Oh no, I thought about that. I got to repent. I need to have more holy thoughts. It's terrible. It's a horrible burden to live under.
0: I know. And and that's the stuff that Christ came to set us free from. You know, is this idea? You know, again, you look at you look at the way Christ deals with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and they're always trying to separate their life of these are holy works unto god these are you know evil works unto satan and dividing those things out and and Christ just comes and blows all that mm-hmm. out of the water and is like no 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 it's all holy yeah,
1: yeah. i've asked questions about this to some of the really big reformed baptist leaders mm-hmm. like you know it, how do you how do you refrain from your own thoughts about your worldly recreations, about bike riding? How do you yeah. refrain from even thinking about it? And they say, well, you don't have to get legalistic about it. It's the spirit of the thing. Well, wait a minute. I'm reading words, and right. here's what the words say. And right. then you want me to assent to these words. Right. This is what your confession says. Right. Uh, and now you say, well, it doesn't really mean that. Right. Don't get legalistic about it. Well,
0: if it doesn't really mean that, then why don't we change it? Yeah, let's change it. Wipe it out. <laughs>
1: Oh say, no, you'd be
0: a heretic if you did that. Say, have fun on
1: Sundays, yes. worship Jesus, love Him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I just, I remember there was a period, um, when I was in high school and, um, my schedule changed. So I wasn't able to work on Friday nights. I had some other things going on. I was a senior, so I was, I was either doing sports or something else, but it was, it was kind of, it was just something that I needed to, to do in order to finish up and get ready for, um, going into college the next year. And so I had to change my schedule around. I couldn't afford not to work. And so I ended up talking it over with my mom and just decided, I'm going to work on Sunday Mm, Uh, and, and not just work on Sunday, but I'm going to work the morning shift during church service. Mm. So I ended up going in working like a seven to one shift, you know? um, And I, you know, I just, I remember that thinking like, there's nothing wrong with this. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, I'm not, you know, turning my back on church. I'm not turning my back on God. I'm not leaving. You know, it's like this is a period of my
1: life. I got to work a little bit. Yeah, this
0: mm-hmm. is a period of my life where this is necessary for me to do this, and so I'm going to do it. Hmm. You know, and I feel like we take so much. You know, I, I remember, you know, just having conversations with people about things like that, and you know, people just saying, "Well, you know, I've never had to work a." Sunday in my life because, you know, I just appeal to the constitution and blah, 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 you know, and all this stuff and they can't force you freedom of religion. And I'm like, is this where we're going to, you know, is is this the hill we're going to die on as Mm -hmm. Christians? You know, isn't it actually better that I am working on a Sunday and I can influence these people for the gospel, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to putting up a fight in an argument, forcing someone else Mm -hmm. to work on a Sunday Mm -hmm. in my place. You know, at least as a believer, I know I'm secure in Christ. But this person who's not a believer, if they're in here working on a, on a Sunday, there isn't even an option that they could go into a church. Yeah. You know? Um
1: So confessions are great. They really are. I would encourage people to read some of the great confessions, but just mm-hmm. remember all the way through, some bunch of guys. Yeah. Bunch yeah. of white guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no women, bunch of white guys right. wrote this. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Keep your Bible in your hands, hold it tightly. Yeah. Put the confession in your hands, hold it briefly and loosely.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, when we talk about confessions, you know, I'll use the word again, training wheels. You know, I think it's a great place to start. I think it's a great way to look at it, but you know what, just like Paul told the people to be good Bereans of what was being said of scripture, of what someone was presenting of scripture. I think even more so we need to be good Bereans of what we see in confessions. Um, because yeah, there, there might be things that are boiled down and condensed and well put in a confession, but there's also things that these men felt were important to put in here, which may not necessarily be not important. Be.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: this was fun, man. We went, uh, we went a good ways on this one.
1: <laughs> yes. How long have we been?
0: So we've been uh hour and five
1: minutes. Hour and five. Not yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, this is great. And uh, we'll look, uh, we're going to look forward to, um, in the future, discussing church discipline, which uh, you know, we'll probably come back and maybe touch on that section that I brought up about the censures and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So uh, this was a lot of fun, man. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Steve, we just rocked the CASBA. Sign it off. These go to
1: 11.